Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Have a good day. Good Lord's Day. Trust you did. Good to see your smiling face here tonight. Amen. Those tuned online, I take it by faith you're smiling, because I can't see your smiling face. Praise the Lord. Well, I guess we're going to turn to the Word for a few minutes tonight. Trust you brought your sword. The Word of the Lord. Come Wednesday night, we're still making our way through the book of Revelation. We've made it halfway. We're at the halfway mark. Amen. Still got some important topics to share and discuss and glean from. Praise the Lord. And the young folks who got their program going on in the back on Wednesday nights at 7. So thank you, parents, for supporting that, bringing the kids and coming yourself. Amen. Appreciate that. Before long, they'll be starting their uh, September. They'll be starting back to their normal youth clubs, so trust you're getting ready for that, young folks. Praise the Lord. I love the way things are looking around here uh, with the church roof. That gave us a real boost here on the corner. Had a lot of folks compliment that. And um, then Brother Toby and Brother Zach and Brother Caleb, they started putting new fascia on all the way around, basically. And uh, that's a project they're doing this week, and they, they started it, I think, Thursday night. And uh, so that just kind of adds a finishing touch. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. So appreciative of them. They're not here tonight, but I wanted to say uh, we appreciate their hard work. That's not an easy task. Praise the Lord. Appreciate all God's people, all the volunteers. We have a whole bunch of them that work hard. Uh, throughout the week and Sunday morning, Wednesday night. God bless you. Thank you for your volunteering, serving in your local church. Amen. Thank you. Because although you may not see the fruit that comes, amen, sometimes eternity only will tell what God is doing through you. So I appreciate you. Keep it up. Love you. Let's go to uh, Ephesians uh, tonight, 427. And uh, hope I don't lose you on that verse. It's such a long verse. Stand with me. It's just six words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Why don't we say it together? I think we can manage, don't you? Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in 427 and says this, Neither give place to the devil. Say it with me again, neither give place to the devil. Since that one was so short, let's read one more, and that's over in James, and that's James 4-7. James 4-7, it's a little longer, but I think we can handle it. Read it with me. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Somebody say, resist the devil. Oh, let's do that right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we resist the devil. 
There is uh, an enemy that would love for your word not to go forth tonight, but Lord, we resist the devil. Oh, I'd like to hear a few more folks resisting tonight. Lord, we resist the enemy tonight. We let your presence come and do the work of the Holy Spirit in this service. Do whatever you want to do. Do what you ever want to accomplish. God, you just, just have your way, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let Pentecost come. Let freedom come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Neither give place to the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going from foothold to freedom. Foothold to freedom. That's what I want to talk about tonight. God bless you. You can be seated. From foothold to freedom. How many grew up in a home with brothers and sisters? Raise your hand. There was a total of five of us. Uh, two were already married uh, or out of the house before I came along. I was the youngest in uh, my family, so I was raised with two older sisters at home. And growing up with two uh, older sisters and against our parents' house rules, believe it or not, we would at times get a little disruptive. Get a little rambunctious, a little rowdy, chase each other through the house. I'm sure that's never happened at your house. Huh? However, when I realized uh, I was thinking about this, it usually would end up with one of my sisters running to her bedroom and shutting the door to lock me out. And... Uh, but I realized that if I couldn't get to the door before it closed, if I could at least slip my foot in, right? Um, if I was quick enough to wedge my foot between the door and the jam, I could still inflict a few more moments of trouble, right? Just because she ran to the refuge of her room didn't mean the scuffle was over. If I was able to get a foothold, right? Now here's an unsettling thought, church. Just because we have ran to Christ for refuge does not mean that the devil has called off his pursuit of us. The fact is, Satan is in constant pursuit of every born again believer, and he wants to get a foothold in their lives. Right? That's not just an action he'll take if and when the opportunity comes along. No, it's part of his diabolical plan to make us surrender some portion or part of our lives to him. He knows that if he can get his foot in the door and gain control of just one portion or part of our life, that given some time, he can get more and more and more. And that, I think, is really the Apostle Paul's point and it is simply footholds 
become strongholds. Say that with me. Footholds become strongholds. Paul talks a lot about strongholds. We don't have time to go into all those passages, but recording artist uh, Gordon Moat, several others, recorded an old southern folk song called Shuddy Doe. Keep out the devil. Anybody remember that? Anybody? Raise your hand if you remember that. Now, how many know that's great advice? To shut the door. Keep out the devil. But sometimes the devil manages to slip his foot in the door. And he gains a foothold. Maybe I can illustrate it like this. On D-Day, Allied forces landed on the beaches of Normandy. It was, it was critical that they establish a beachhead. That is, a foothold on the beach. That would allow them to set up a staging area so they could bring more men and more equipment in to the battle. And they were successful. And from that tiny foothold on the beach, history says, the Allied forces were able to push inland in an effort to liberate France. But the truth is, Satan's foothold isn't for our liberation. It's for our captivation. The Apostle Paul guarantees us that Satan's goal is not to liberate, it's to captivate. And once he, once he gets deep enough into an area... He turns the foothold into a stronghold, and that makes it harder for us to regain control of our life. On a trip to Israel in, in 98, I saw a powerful example of this, how Satan can get, can get a de demonic foothold on even a geographical piece of ground. As I looked down over the holy city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, I saw the land where the uh, Islamic Dome of the Rock sits today. Now that, it's really built on that plateau, on that piece of ground that's perhaps not even an acre. I, I'm not sure, but it, I, I don't think it's much more than an acre, if that. But yet the Muslims got their hands on that piece of property. I figured it up today. Some 1,332 years ago is when they took that plot of ground. And then they built their temple to Allah, which now has become, what I believe, one of the abomination of desolation mentioned in Scripture. It really has. The devil has managed to focus his power right in the very midst or in the epicenter of God's once chosen people, Israel. Right? And it all happened because Satan got just a small foothold. Folks, this is a vivid picture of what our enemy does when he gains even the smallest piece or plot of ground spiritually. Footholds are dangerous because it allows evil the chance 
to threaten us, eventually breaking into our lives. And at first, it doesn't seem that big of a deal, right? Like, uh, watch this. Uh, ah, Brother Tim, so what? Who cares if you got a few termites in your foundation? Termites. They ain't going to do much damage, are they? Hmm. Oh, what's the big deal? It's just a, just a small spot of cancer. Ah, won't harm me unless it grows or spreads. Ah, moms and dads thinking about the little terrible twos. Ah, what's the deal with a temper tantrum? It won't last forever. How about this? What's the big deal about a few bed bugs? Ah, a few of them surely won't hurt. Ah, they shouldn't make you lose a whole lot of sleep, not over just a few bed bugs. Come on, folks, I get the willies just talking about that. All right? Nobody in their right mind talks like that. Why? Because that reasoning is bizarre. It'll result in greater destruction. And I wonder if we sometimes think that way spiritually. Listen, folks, I was thinking this week, I don't ever want to fail to take seriously the little threats to my salvation. I don't want to fail to take seriously the little threats to my spirituality. I don't want to fail to take seriously the little threats to my fellowship with God. I don't even want to ignore the little foxes, right? Because wise man Solomon said, they're the ones that's going to spoil and destroy the vines. And then the fruit will tell the story, right? Now, can I give you some possible indicators of a demonic foothold in your life? Can I give you a few? If you have feelings of shame or guilt that won't yield to God's forgiveness, then you have a foothold in your life that Satan is leveraging. Accusatory voices in your mind that won't stop, that constantly torment, you just might have a foothold that the enemy is leveraging. You ready for a few more? These are indicators of footholds. If you have ungodly coping mechanisms in your life that just make the situation get worse, you think it helps, but you really know down deep it's not helping, right? And the devil just might have a foothold. If you have difficulty making connections with your local church and with God and with others of like precious faith, you might need to address a foothold. Hello? If you have reoccurring nightmares and thoughts that disrupt your sleep, there's a foothold. 
quiet in here now. Sins that refuse to submit to spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting. You say, but pastor, I've tried, I've tried. Then you've got a foothold that the enemy is leveraging. If there's the inability to experience the love and the peace and the joy that the Holy Spirit produces or should be producing, then you've got a foothold in your life. The devil's working. Inability to change no matter how much you want to or how hard you try. Or maybe it's a personal or family problem that resists help. Maybe it's a physical or psychological problem that won't respond to medication. Listen, packed within several practical life instructions, the Apostle Paul is issuing a warning in our text. Address the foothold. You can go from foothold to freedom because the blood of Jesus made that possible. Some of you missed a good place to say amen because that was good right there. That's better than a gallon of butterscotch pudding. I said the blood of Jesus made it possible to go from foothold to freedom. And Paul warns us in the text and tell us, tells us you need to take the threat to your soul seriously. He warns about the reality of an enemy. It's hard enough to do right, but when we fail to take our enemy, the devil, seriously, how many know that compounds and makes the matter worse? I know I have an enemy that seeks to destroy me every day of my life. I know that I have an adversary actively working against me. I know that he seeks to overthrow me through deceptions and distractions. Each day that I grow to be more like Christ, I face challenges along the way. And those challenges may be thoughts of pride or they may be thoughts of pity. And if they are not addressed, they become footholds and opportunistic cracks in my spirituality where the enemy gains a grip and begins to sit up house set up a stronghold listen it doesn't have to be big acts of sinfulness just small matters of indiscretion are all the devil needs he just needs to uh, let you crack the door open a little so he can stick his foot in there and guess what he's got a foothold now i want you to look at the greek word here the greek word for place where paul said give no place to the devil. You go to the Greek, the word place is tupos. It refers to a marked out geographical location, carries the idea of territory or region or a zone, a geographical position. It's from the, this Greek word that we get our English word for topographical map because the word depicts a geographical location. And that lets us know that the devil is after precise zones in our lives, right? He is looking for a foothold in our financial zone, right? He is looking for a foothold in our marriage zone. 
He's looking for a foothold in our employment zone or family zone. He is after our desire zone and appetite zone. Listen, to conquer our hearts, he must first find an entry point from which he can begin his campaign of devilish destruction. And one text implies that if the devil has a place in my life, it is my choice. The devil cannot force himself into my heart or yours without our allowance. You're going to help me preach, church. I have to open the door to let him in. Mom used to tell us kids growing up, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. How many's ever heard that? How many's heard that? Meaning that we can't give him any leeway or he will take full advantage of us. I mean, though, that's so true. That is so true. If we give Satan an inch, he will use that foothold to destroy our life at all possible because sin is pervasive. It corrupts entirely. No sin or element of compromise is insignificant. But think about this. Satan doesn't just uh, doesn't need to corrupt our whole being. He just needs that little inch. Uh, listen, he doesn't need a mile to start with. All the devil needs is an inch, uh, and then he begins his work. That's why scripture tells us we are to love the Lord with all of our heart. Somebody say all of my mind, all of my soul, and all of my strength. Every inch of my heart, every inch of my mind, every inch of my soul and my strength. If I give Satan one inch, I'm not giving God my all. My life is supposed to be a sanctuary for the presence of a holy God. And may God help us be living sanctuaries for the presence presence of God. We're the only one allowed to occupy our space is the Lord himself. Listen, the devil just needs a small opportunity, a small crack in the door, and we can give it to him if we're not careful. Yeah. You refuse to let go of an old hurt or an old wound? How many know that can become a foothold? If you refuse to forgive another person, for what they did to you, that can become a foothold. Refuse to stop judging others for some past grievance, that can become a foothold. Listen, refuse to admit that you were wrong, that can become a foothold. Refuse to say, I'm sorry when I when you're wrong, listen, that can become a foothold. Listen, refuse to go and uh, uh, let go of some minor uh, annoyance. Listen, if you refuse uh, uh, to let go of that bitterness, that place will become a foothold. And in John 14, 30, Christ said it like this. He said, the ruler of the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. What Christ was saying is Satan doesn't have even a little place in me. Listen, Christ gave no ground to the devil. He ceded no territory to the devil. Christ gave no home to the enemy. Christ was in total submission to his father's will. He was always unyielding, unbending, and uncompromising. All right, pastor, what do you do when you realize Satan has gained a foothold in your life? Good question. Glad you asked it. Let's talk about it. Are you ready to talk about it? All right, five of you are. Rest of you, just listen in. 
Well, you got to realize, how I many know you can make the transition from foothold to freedom? I want to tell somebody, you can transition from foothold to freedom. And that's where our second test, uh, text, James 4, 7, comes into mind. He said, submit yourselves, therefore unto God, resist the devil. And he'll hang around for at least 30 more minutes and then leave. Is that what it says? No. But I want you to see, let's, let's take this passage and look at it here real quick. Is this okay? I know, I know it's a Sunday night. It's a little after 7.30 here. We'll get you out of here shortly. So we resist, but notice, number one, we cannot resist without first submitting. Now, we resist the devil when we submit our lives completely to God. James doesn't tell us to just resist the devil. There is something we must do before we can actually resist the devil. This verse, you read it, I read it, it has what's called a qualifier. If we don't want to do the first half of the verse, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're going to do the second half. Hello. Because before you can resist, you have to submit to God. And the enemy will not flee from us if we are not submitted to God. Now, if we have attempted to resist the devil and seem to lack authority, which some do, it's probably because there's a submission area. Obviously, first of all, let's make this statement. Only born-again believers are able to resist the devil. Right? I said only born-again believers. Because without first submitting to Christ as your Lord, you, here's, here's what happens. You have no authority. You have no authority. And so, obedience comes into play here because obedience is connected to submission. Obedient submission is foundational to living a life free of satanic influences. So we first resist the devil when we submit and obey. Second and next, we need to wash our minds with the word of God. If we're going to resist the devil, we're going to have to wash our minds with the word of God. We must allow God to wash the satanic influence out of our minds. Because newsflash, our minds have been systematically programmed. How many know our minds get systematically programmed just simply by walking through our world? Walking through this culture. There are three battlefronts that every believer faces. Christ told us the flesh, the world, and the devil. And the Bible tells us that the world is under the sway of the wicked one. The prince of the power of the air constantly attempts to control our values. Newsflash, how many's found out Hollywood's values are not God's values? Is that news? I don't think that's new news. You, you already knew that. 
Because our world is under the sway of demonic influence. And here's how the enemy programs our minds and our values. He tells us things like, ah, you know, you can't possibly be happy unless you're driving a certain kind of car. You can't be happy unless you live in the big house at the lake. Or you can't be happy unless you have enough money in the bank to maintain a lifestyle of constant pleasure. How many know that is a lie? Hello. Because Scripture says a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. Hello. The world goes on to tell us that unless we have some mind-altering substance, that we don't know how to have a good time. Folks, that's a lie. Hello. We don't need to chemically alter the state of our mind because the Scripture tells us, hello, that in God's presence is the fullness of joy. Hmm? The world will tell us that you, you uh, just don't feel at peace unless, unless you smoke a little weed. You know, you got to unwind. Go ahead and take a half a dozen cocktails to unwind. You, you need a little stress reliever. Hello. Scripture proclaims Christ is our stress reliever. Because he said, my peace, I leave with you. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Christ is my stress reliever. And the world will tell you that pleasure is, is cheating on your spouse but the word of God would say the real meaning and significance comes uh, from being faithful to your covenant vows uh, to... The world would tell us, listen, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. How many's found out that's a lie? What happens in Vegas is written down in the books of heaven unless it gets covered under the blood of Jesus. See, our minds have been programmed by the prince of the power of this world. That's why we must resist that old thinking and renew our minds through the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, it's through his word we begin to wash and cleanse our minds, washing away the evil thoughts, washing away the evil thoughts and the intents and motives. And that's why we come to church to hear the word of God proclaimed because faith cometh by hearing the word of God. That's why daily time in the word will help you wash away the past programming of the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. Thirdly, pick up the authority that God gives you. Listen, authority isn't ours until we pick it up and use it. Hello, hello, all the way in the back. Is that true? Listen, have you ever seen a, you ever seen a three-year-old child take authority and tell his mom what she's going to buy him in the store? Hopefully the mom will know who actually has authority. If mom is getting pushed around by the three-year-old, it's because she's not using her authority. Oh, come on here. 
Listen, we have been given authority. That authority does not rest in our strength or in our personal holiness or on our power or our abilities. That authority is in us because we are in a relationship with Christ. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, until Christ returns to the earth. We are his bearers of authority. Demons must submit to the power in the name of Jesus, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Somebody shout, Jesus. Addictions must submit, not to us, because of who we are, but because of the authority in the name of Jesus. Demons must not submit to us because of who we are. Why, no, we're not really anything except because of our relationship with Jesus. Praise God. What we do, we do in the name of Jesus. Right? The name of Jesus is like a badge in that it carries authority, right? Brother Killinger, you got your badge on you? Bring it here, would you? Ah, we'll get you a little show and tell tonight. A little show and tell. He's over the security here. Praise God. Huh? The name of Jesus is like a badge. Where's it at, brother? There it is. He's got it right on his side. All right. Just, just turn around there and show him. Hey, look at this badge right here. Huh? Listen, folks, when you're out there in our community, a badge represents one thing, authority. Right? Yeah. Some time ago, I was watching with my kids. I think it's one of Levi's favorite shows. Andy Griffith, right? And Barney Fife. Hmm? Andy and Barney, the deputy had discovered, you remember that episode where they discovered a couple of rogue farmers out at the edge of town selling vegetables in an unlawful way? Remember that one? So Barney, he goes, oh, he can handle this. Andy doesn't have to go on this one. So Barney goes, and he drives up, and he tells him, you guys got to leave. Man, old Barney gets beat up verbally. Verbally. And he has to step back and kind of regroup. I don't know if he goes back and talks to Andy, or I can't remember how it all played out. But anyway, he kind of stepped away from the situation. But then when he comes back the second time, he holds his ground. Right? And he stands up to them, not with his authority, but with the authority of his badge. Right? Listen, that's exactly what resisting the devil looks like for you and me. Barney, he did not allow himself to be intimidated the second time. He stood strong. He didn't back up because he pointed to his badge. And this is what he said. He said, this badge represents a lot of people who are bigger than me. Now, he said that in Barney Fife's voice, and I'm not even going to try to give it a Barney Fife voice. 
But that's what he said. This badge represents a lot of people who are bigger than me. Listen, newsflash, we stand against the enemy tonight and we resist him in the name of our big brother, Jesus. He's a lot bigger. Hallelujah. We don't need to back up. We don't need to back down. We just need to use the badge, the mighty name of Jesus. He's a lot bigger than our enemy. He's already defeated him from the cross. Somebody shout amen. Thank you, Brother Killinger. I appreciate that. So when we use his name, we are using a name that's higher. For just a few more minutes. I said that name is higher than any other name. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name. That name has defeated sin. That name has defeated Satan. That name has defeated demonic possession and all demonic power. That name has overcome death, hell, and the grave. Somebody shout the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Raise your hands in praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So what do we do, Pastor? Resist the devil. I said resist the devil and he will flee. That's how you go from a foothold to freedom. Praise God. Matthew 10, 1 says... And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits and to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. How many know since Pentecost, the church has been given the same authority? Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents uh, and upon scorpions uh, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Loved ones, Broadway, it's time we use our authority. I said, it's time we use our authority against him. It's, some, it's time for somebody to quote Luke 4, 8 that says, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We learn from Christ's temptation record in the Gospels that with our authority and with his word as our weapon, he can break the foothold and produce the freedom. I said he can break the foothold and produce the freedom. Why? Because God's word is a weapon and with our authority we can use it praise God that's why Paul said in Ephesians 6 take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God huh when the enemy comes against us we can be armed and dangerous right Praise God. I'm feeling a little better tonight. But the best part of this whole passage is the promise that Satan has to flee. And that means he loses his foothold. Oh, praise God. It doesn't say that if you resist him, he'll hang around and pout. Hmm? It doesn't say that he'll continue to try to tempt you for the next half hour. No, it says he'll flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. 
We are not left without a weapon. We are not left without authority. We have a name. I said, we have a name given above all other names. And if we have submitted ourselves to God, if we have washed our minds with the word, you can stand up to the enemy and say, out of my life, devil, out of my church, devil, out of my family, devil. Why? Because this badge represents somebody who's bigger than I am. Praise God. And Satan has to flee. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Resist the devil and he will flee. Go from foothold to freedom. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him. I said, somebody praise him. I believe right here in the house of God tonight, somebody can go from foothold to freedom. Before you walk out of here, you can go from foothold to freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Is this okay? Hey, I'm preaching out of the word tonight. I tried to stay in the word. Maybe somebody here tonight needs to take a little spiritual inventory. Ask yourself, is there any area in my life where Satan has a foothold? Does he have a foothold? Is there a certain area that I am particularly susceptible to sin in? Maybe in the ask yourself, what, what worldly influence have I allowed in my life? Listen, friends, God allows course corrections, and you have to make those in your life. I've had to make them. So why not make a list tonight and declare war? Huh? Oh, I'd love for somebody tonight to decide it's time to kick the devil out. Huh? Let him lose his foothold tonight. It's time to give the enemy an eviction notice. I said, give him an eviction notice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And say, what you've bound me with in the past no longer applies. It's no longer an addiction. Why? Because I am making a transition tonight from foothold to freedom. Raise your hands and somebody just begin to worship God. Would you do that tonight? Raise your hands and begin to worship the whole. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody can reclaim your space. Dedicate it to the Lord. Don't give the devil a place in your space. The only one that occupies your space is Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody, somebody go ahead and exercise that authority in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, somebody, somebody needs to respond and say, I want to make that transition tonight. I want to move from foothold to freedom. Oh, I feel you can do it tonight in the house. If you so purpose, oh Lord, you're going to reprogram our minds, our thoughts in the name of Jesus. Do a work tonight, God. Hallelujah. Somebody step out. Meet me in the altars, would you? Come on, church. Gather around the altars. Amen. Somebody's going to go from foothold to freedom. And you can go tonight with that presence of God as you leave, knowing that you have gained some liberty. You have been liberated. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, young people. Young people, listen. You say we just had camp a few weeks ago. Yeah, we did. But listen, I have a feeling the devil's got his foot in the, in the doorway. 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead and decide. You have no authority. You have no authority over me. Oh, you have no authority over my family. Oh, somebody take it by faith. Oh, thank you, Jesus.